0: You're listening to 3CR's Renegade Economist with your host, Carl Fitzgerald, as we investigate the role of landlords, bankers and natural monopolies through the eyes of the commons. Our birthrights, our birthrights. Listeners, each week we try to bring you a new perspective on the economic uh, incentives behind... uh, our empty wallets. And uh, this week, we're stepping into uh, the gas market and seeing what's happening on that front. Over the last decade, uh, we've looked at resource rents, we saw the mining tax come and go. Uh, You know, the Chinese boom was a huge missed opportunity. Andrew Forrester. has won uh, millions and millions of dollars in just uh, five or six years, now has a $400 million philanthropic organisation that uh, he decides on who gets that money. Well, our job here on The Renegade Economist is to say, look, those resources are part of the Commonwealth. We should all own them. So with that background, we're now faced with... uh, Another conundrum when it comes to our natural resources and that is what has happened in our gas market since it's been opened up over the last uh, five or six years where currently gas consumers are paying some 400% higher in prices than what they once did. Now to bring this into context, uh, we're joined by Louise Page from the Save Western Port Group where at Crib Point, AGL is rushing through And import jetty to bring gas into this country. Now, Louise, welcome to the show. And why is this such a ludicrous situation here in Australia?
1: Hi Carl. It's it's an incredibly strange situation we have where Australia has pretty much exported all of its gas, so we are now importing it back. We could have two gas tankers passing each other in the Pacific and waving. As they go by, one's going out, another's coming back in.
0: It is ridiculous, isn't it? And uh, what has happened, listeners, is that uh, under the Rudd-Gillard government, they approved uh, three LNG export uh, centres up in Gladstone on Curtis Island. This uh, cost uh, billions and billions of dollars. Uh, We could have just had one uh, capacity plant there and... uh, we would have been able to produce uh, similar amounts of gas, but Santos uh, sold off all these contracts and uh, didn't have the gas supply required to meet those export contracts. So as the market has opened up, uh, the price these uh, gas exporters can get is a lot higher than the typical 3 to $4 a uh, gigajoule they used, used to get here in the domestic market. So, uh, Louise, how do you see the economics of this situation working out? There's actually a whole pile of factors behind why uh, gas has gone up in price. So where do you see this as a big issue?
1: Well, the problem we have here, talking about the um, Crib Point Terminal specifically, is that it's, it's a very precious um, environmental area here. And what AGL proposed to do is to... Install an FSIU, which is a floating storage and regasification unit. They're going to permanently moor that at Crib Point Jetty, and then foreign gas tankers will bring in liquefied natural gas, which will be regasified and then piped uh, 55 kilometres away. Now, (laughs) you've got the situation where two years ago there was forecast for a gas shortage, and that's why AGL... They use that as the justification for this project in actual fact all it's going to do is create profit for agl and nothing for the community so we're looking at a situation where we have a proposed floating gas terminal in an internationally recognized wetland and unesco biosphere it will be there 24 7 which is not good for the community who are say, 800 metres from it in a bushfire zone. uh, it, It really has no benefit because the gas is being exported. We're importing it. They've said that will create a downward pressure on prices, but it can't because AGL has no control over the price. It's going to be set by global markets. So it can't possibly bring the price down so the consumers lose out in every in every way we have the environment potentially ruined and a gas market that's completely dysfunctional
0: yes it was always a danger when we open up our markets to the international pricing regimes Uh, at the moment australian gas is around about nine dollars a gigajoule in Asia, it's uh, closer to $14. And when you add another $1. thirty-three, it seems, for the import cost to bring it back into the country, consumers are going to be paying over $15 for gas that uh, they can produce still in Western Australia for somewhere between $3 to $5.
1: So WA had a, a gas reservation policy, a domestic policy to keep 15% of their gas there. So that was a smart move. if you' If you're going to um, i'm not I'm not talking about smart as in us staying on fossil fuels, but just talking about just the gas market. keeping a reservation seemed like a fairly basic, standard, straightforward thing to do.
0: Certainly, certainly does, and uh, you know Australia is going to be the world's largest gas exporter. In the next few years, I think it's by 2020. And, they, uh, yeah.
1: and you know, sorry to interrupt, but today I heard um, they have been saying 2020, but I'm not sure if you saw the report out this morning about the CSIRO now creating hydrogen from ammonia. And in that article, they actually say we're already the largest exporter. But I, they, I know the forecast was for 2020.
0: This Crib Point Terminal, uh, take us through it. The, the boats are going to be on the water... Uh, one permanently moored there and gas is delivered to it and then the regasification process what sort of uh, environmental process does that require
1: okay so when the gas tanker comes in there are loading arms that will help the process you know technically i'm not really good at explaining it but basically the lng tanker will unload Its cargo into the FSIU for regasification. Now the regasification requires the LNG for the gas to get back to a pressurized form. And to do that, the FSIU will suck in 450 million litres of organism-rich seawater. So all the plankton and everything else will get sucked up into the FSIU and it's chlorinated. So it's effectively then discharged as dead seawater. So we're doing 450 million litres per day during the regasification process. Where the pumps suck it in, there are actually grills to stop large marine mammals being sucked in, but they can be brought in and trapped against the the grills that are over where the water gets sucked in, and they can drown in that way. So uh, there is the potential for penguins, fish, seals and other marine life, to be trapped against the grill and killed.
0: Not good, not good. And just break down that 450 million litres, how many swimming pools is that?
1: Oh, I think I can remember we did work out how many swimming pools and I think, I have to check figures, 25 Olympic pools.
0: And that would be daily, would it?
1: That's right. Not every day of the year but while the regasification process is happening, which... Uh, takes about seven days.
0: And they're expecting at least 10, 12 shipments a year there?
1: Up to 40.
0: Up to 40.
1: So it has a capacity for 40. Now they say initially it'll be 12 a year, but my fear is, and I think other people would probably see straight through this as well, it only takes industry to then tell us there's another gas shortage and that more ships have to come in and we could see suddenly that figure doubles in the next year or triples. Who's to say that they're not going to think, well, okay, we can get this gas cheaper if we do it this way or we can use the pipeline for something else? I don't know. There is just so many variables. And I think one of the things it really comes down to is that you've got four different organisations now looking at FSIUs around on the East Coast and in South Australia I'm not saying that importing gas is the right thing to do, but if you're going to have a floating storage and regasification unit anywhere, then somewhere that is less environmentally sensitive would seem appropriate. Crib Point and Western Port is not the place for it.
0: And in terms of its UNESCO standing, uh, what what environmental services is Western Port providing? It is a wetlands there. Uh, Uh How much sort of methane and so forth could be released if uh, this sort of project uh, disturbs the ecosystem significantly?
1: Well, I think one of the really important things to know about Western Port is that it is a carbon sink and we need to protect it at all costs because it has the most southern mangroves in the world, alongside one other place close to here. Um, And mangroves wetlands are known to be extraordinarily, have really good carbon sink attributes. And the other environmental aspects of it are the, as you said, the wetlands, they have migratory birds, you know, tens of thousands of migratory birds come and use this area Um, in terms of the methane, I couldn't tell you.
0: These are the sort of things that we need to know, though, aren't they? And uh, what we've already heard is that uh, there's no way that this gas supply is going to make uh, gas prices cheaper for us. We've heard that prices have increased some 400%. Uh, Santos, uh, the major culprit for uh, causing these gas shortages, uh, their share price has uh, tripled in the last year, so they're doing all right out of it. uh, the, the costs keep adding up, uh, wh- wh- what's going on with the, the Victorian government and uh, the due process behind uh, such a, uh, a, a an environmentally sensitive project?
1: Yeah, well, that's another really interesting point. Last August there was a media release put out by Premier Daniel Andrews and Lily D'Ambrosio who said that they welcomed this project because of the the usual statement, the sort of jobs and growth, it was jobs and downward pressure on prices and, and that it was going to be such a game changer for gas security. So it seemed like from the outset, before the assessments had been done, before any approvals had gone through government, that the state government were approving it. I was on the radio one day with John Fame, the ABC Radio, and uh, Premier Daniel Andrews was on talkback, and I put it to him that it appeared to the community that there was a there was collusion between AGL and the government. And he went to great great lengths to assure me that uh, there was going to be a rigorous and thorough assessment and that he would get back to me on what approvals had already been made, if any, and also any that were going to be um, coming across his desk. And unfortunately, he didn't get back to me. He also assured me that he would Contact the Port of Hastings to get back to me as well because they had got back to me on my queries about the tender process for the works that were going to be going on on the jetty. I followed up twice with uh, John Fain on air and uh, I still haven't heard. So that was May the 29th. We're now the 8th of August and I haven't had word from the Premier's office. We've been in contact a few times with Lily D'Ambrosio including a formal quest to have a delegation visit her and talk to her about our concerns. And we haven't heard back from her office either. She is the Energy, um, Climate Change and Environment Minister.
0: Listeners, you're on 3CR's Renegade Economist with your host, Kyle Fitzgerald. And this week, we're investigating a uh, rush job regarding uh, Australia's poorly managed uh, energy security future. We're in discussion with Louise Page from the Save Western Port Group, who have uh, formed over the last year to raise their concerns about the gas import jetty that AGL are trying to set up at uh, Crib Point, set up a permanent uh, gas processing terminal there. And uh, as we're hearing, it just doesn't seem to stack up on uh, any real front. So, uh, Louise, you're right to keep probing there on what sort of. Uh, relationship AGL has with uh, the Andrews government as always uh, it's probably comes back to money and it won't be for a few years to see whether any major donations have been made to the Labor Party uh, on behalf of AGL anywhere in the country. Do you have any dirt on that Louise Page?
1: No I don't have any dirt on that but I would like to. I can say however that I have attended every Pretty much every consultation, public consultation that AGL has put on for the community down here, which is one of their boxes that they need to tick up to, you know, try and uh, show the government that they have got social licence for this. And I can tell you they're a long, long way from getting it. Um, the community uh, has not been informed well at all. The advertising and communication process that AGL have used to reach the community has not been good at all. We've actually had to request meetings for some of the villages and towns down here because they were unaware of what was happening right along their coast. And as we have reached out to um, our neighbouring suburbs, they are absolutely aghast that it could even have been considered in the first place, given the the sensitive nature down here. Now, I will say that one of the arguments is that Western Port has been used for shipping. It is is partly industrial, and that goes back to the 60s and 70s. Our argument is that Western Port, Mornington Peninsula, has changed dramatically since the 60s and 70s. And we need to move beyond that. We have learned since the value of our coastal areas. Um, And it's it's not appropriate to keep treating natural resources in this way. There is a huge tourism um, industry down here, if you want to call it an industry. There's much... uh, Many people come to Phillip Island for for the whale watching and the penguins. It's you know it's a really it's an internationally known destination. So to think that you're going to put industry right there, it just seems incredible to me. There are just so many different aspects to this proposal. It's it's sometimes hard to know where to begin, but the social impact is not to be underestimated. AGL are currently in talks with. Some members of the community about how much money they can give them, uh, give the community to do certain things. So, and they're talking about large sums of money. So there are, unfortunately, a small number who think that uh, getting money to trade off a natural resource is an appropriate thing. The majority are not happy about it, and certainly will not will not be part of it.
0: It's. The typical justification, as you mentioned before, is jobs and growth. Uh, How many jobs are going to be created uh, building this pipeline and what sort of arrangements have been made in terms of the land required for the 60 kilometres worth of pipeline from uh, this precious environmental wetland uh, up to uh, pipelines probably come from Gippsland?
1: Yes, that's right. So that's that's another whole area, um, the of the the pipeline part of the the project. There's 40 jobs will be created by this, and those 40 jobs are a specialist positions. So they're they're people who are highly skilled, technical. Um, there certainly won't be people coming from any FSIUs in Australia because this will be the first, and they will be trained overseas. So we we're, we're talking about 40 positions of a highly specialised nature. So it's not something that's going to invest in the local economy here. Of course, that's, you know, that's 40 jobs. So, you know, that's that's going to be good for the people who can uh, get those jobs. But in terms of the local economy, it, it's not doing anything for it at all. And that's why AGL feel the need to offer the community. Uh, there has been suggestions of discounted gas prices for business. The pipeline is a a big, big project. It's going to clear 30 metres of vegetation and we're still talking about uh, this internationally recognised wetland. So we'll have a pipeline going through that. Uh, The 30 metres clearance is necessary for the equipment to get in to actually put the pipe into the ground. And then as it continues its way north, it goes through the prime agricultural land outside Melbourne. So it's Melbourne's food bowl. This area has even been studied by the University of Melbourne and looking at Melbourne's food print. So it's it ties into local supply of food, food security, food miles. It involves a lot. It's... Uh, As I say, I I almost get speechless because it's hard to imagine anybody's considered even putting this in in the first place. It's just so ludicrous.
0: It really seems like a scene out of Utopia, doesn't it? Uh, Putting a gas liquefaction plant on wetlands to provide gas at uh, basically the same price as we're already receiving whilst allowing the companies who are ripping the gas out of the land paying no royalties by the way listeners uh, and shipping that off for great profits uh, the yeah the resource game it gets uglier and uglier I didn't think there could be uh, you know worse outcomes than what's happening uh, with our iron ore but uh, the more you look into this gas story uh, it's a real uh, issue because gas, plays such a strong role in setting the price for electricity because of its uh, nimble nature. Uh, the gas plants can turn on and off when peak demand rises and falls very quickly and that uh, helps to set the price for electricity due to uh, uh, that marginal pricing, the opportunity cost there.
1: There's also the Asia demand for gas too. So really, who's to say that that demand is not just going to go up and up and up, and then where are we left? we' we're, we're, we're sucked into this international competition for gas.
0: I've always been worried about the the expansion of the proposed expansion of the jetty at Hastings because of all the gas at Wilson's Prom and, and in that area. So uh, yeah, it's a concern because not only that, then there's a possible, brown coal exports so I think uh, the world of high finance has put almost put the nail in the coffin to uh, new coal so that is one good news story but uh, they're all hedging their bets on gas as being uh, the last fossil fuel until renewables really take over.
1: Yeah that's right they are and it's the, the pressure on the gas market without any sort of policy by government or any sort of regulation, we're still getting back to that cartel, the gas cartel, and the consumers are the end of the line, always the end of the line. Everyone else is lining their pockets, and the consumers struggle with protecting the environment, trying to keep uh, their economy local. There's so much to consider than just somebody telling us, There is a gas shortage, which they were telling us two years. Now they're telling us there's no gas shortage. And actually we put that to AGL. When um, the Australian energy market operator put out that we no longer had a gas shortage, we wrote to AGL and said, well, you you, uh, determined that you would have this FSIU at Crib Point based on the fact that there was going to be a gas shortage. And your commitment was For gas security so we put it to you now that AMO has said that there's no gas shortage so how can you now justify potentially causing a catastrophe in our wetland when there's no gas shortage and the answer we got back was um, we'll have to review it in that context but nothing has changed.
0: Have you had any interest from the Liberal Party regarding the economic case for this? I imagine if you went to them on the environment, they would probably say that's not quite our issue. But when you just talk about the fundamental economics of this supposedly being all about helping prices, but in reality, it's due to this failed national energy market that... uh, Governments have continually let us down on. Uh, what has Matthew Guy and team uh, said on this front?
1: So what we hear from the Liberal Party is that uh, our local member, Neil Burgess, has he has been against industrialisation of the particular area. Uh, he has been against it for some time. So he he supports the community in stopping it. Greg Hunt was a bit slower to come to the party, but he is now saying that he agrees with Neil Burgess. Unfortunately, it seems like nobody's prepared to come out outright. I think it's a sensitive election area, and they are tending not to publicly state that they're against it in terms of the energy market. I think they're they're thinking that if they say they're against it that there's going to be a community backlash and I think that's because the community don't fully understand the gas market. All they see are the gas prices. They understand that it's getting too expensive, but they don't really understand why. I don't think the average person understands that we've exported our gas and now we're going to have to bring gas in. Now, I'd also add to that that in the past Companies like AGL are very good at scaring communities into thinking that they're going to have a gas shortage when they're not. There's a very similar thing that happened in Gloucester in New South Wales that AGL were proposing to um, set up some coal seam gas there. And this little town valued its environment so much that it wasn't going to stand for it. And it campaigned for years to stop AGL. They won in the end, but it was was a pretty hard battle for them. But it started out exactly like it did down here where they were told that there was going to be a gas shortage, actually a gas crisis, and that if they, they didn't allow coal seam gas to happen, that they were going to be out of gas. Then after Gloucester won and AGL were firmly told no, they didn't run out of gas. They didn't have a problem. So unfortunately, I, I do think that sometimes the companies like AGL, they set their eyes on a, a profit-making venture and they use certain um, things that put out there in the community to say that this is why they need to do it. And then the market changes and it's no longer needed, but by that stage they've committed so much to it and they can still see the profit. It still goes ahead. You know, we're talking about a $450 million project here, around about $250 million for the FSIU and a further $200 million for the pipeline.
0: Well, there we go, listeners. Another tale of uh, the plundering of the commons here on 3CR's Renegade Economists. Louise Page, thanks so much for joining us from the Save Western Port group. Uh, you can find them uh, on Facebook at uh, Save Western Port.
1: I can direct your listeners to the website, which is savewesternport.org. And at, at our website, you can find all the links to our social media, so Facebook, Instagram, Twitter.
0: All the good things.
1: Yeah.